There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from HomeLoanExpert.com Studios. Alongside the wonderful Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan, and this is questions from the audience. Gangster Pete, I have emails this week, and hopefully I get to, because uh, to, I just I save them and, and don't order them, where people are praising you. Your star power is rising as an on-air person on questions from the audience. How does that make you feel? Because I know you have no goal to be an on-air person. Got him fooled. There it is. I, I, I can't recall which one it was. I mean, I have a bunch. Holy moly. Boy, I just scrolled down. Um, both an email and on the fan page, but more an email. Uh, and I know that there were compliments paid to you, and I don't even remember necessarily what uh, it was that, uh, I don't even know if it was specified what it was that uh, people liked, but they certainly enjoyed the Sodes, and I'm looking forward to uh, doing more of these things since uh, now I am back in St. Louis, and uh, as is the case with, I would imagine, I don't know, what do you think, 90% of, uh, of the people listening you're in a spot where you're working from home or not working nearly as many hours as you were before, and uh, and you are in search of content to keep you occupied, potentially entertained, potentially informed, or maybe just something to make you angry. Whatever it is, that is what we are attempting to do for the audience, uh, Gangster Pete. So I'm looking forward to here over the next however long we're in this position. Um trying some things out both with uh, social media shows with twitch and uh, adding to our uh, podcast since we won't be having the one-on-one guest interviews that we have been able to do in studio for uh, about two and a half years since this podcast started what say you sir what say you sounds good to me yeah um well we have a bunch here and i'm going to start off with emails because i'm backloaded on emails and i'm going to just do uh something in order uh, oh, and this is this is actually fitting. Uh, hey, Tim, opinion here. I would love to see, because I've, I've expanded it to say it's questions from the audience, opinions from the audience, and I also want stories from the audience. So whatever, just send stuff in, tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. So that's why the gentleman says, hey, Tim, opinion here. I would love to see questions slash opinions from the audience or the whole show on Twitch or another streaming platform, if at all possible. It would give the listeners a chance to respond and discuss in real time, and I think the video aspect adds another layer to the show. P.S. The more I listen to Q slash OFTA, the more I become a gangster Pete Lemming. Kaka, Thanks, that's <laughs> Caleb. So right out of the gate we had it. Right out of the gate we had it. But it's not the only one that I know I've read over the last few days. That that stuff can go both ways real fast. So Yeah, it, do, it does work that way. That's the nature of the beast. But, but I, appreciate, I appreciate the comments. Caleb's on board. So as it turns out, Caleb, to answer your question, we start with a non-COVID-19 question. That was an upset. I would have definitely bet against that. Um, it, last night, Patrick Donnelly, who Pete and I worked with when Dan McLaughlin and I did our show in the previous Cardinal offseason, along with uh, Joe Roderick and Nick Yale, 
Uh, we were texting about doing this edition of questions slash opinions slash stories from the audience uh, on Twitch and on uh, on potentially restream. He has all kinds of different thoughts and branding and so on and so forth that he that he thinks through. I just and Patrick's like, you know, I mean, I, I I've you know, it's not like I'm the only person who can do this. And I said, oh, I understand that, but. I know you. I trust you. You get what we're trying to do. You're a listener of the podcast and of the radio show, so you get it. And those kinds of people, and I would bet there's probably of the people who listen to this, I don't know if I would say a thousand, but a few hundred who know exactly what it is when we talk about it that we're trying to do with this with with regard to uh, distributing content on a variety of platforms, not just radio, not just podcast. Um that they can they can be of assistance with it too. Patrick's just who we've worked with, and I know he knows his stuff, and I know he's passionate about it, real passionate about it. Pete, I know you are a major advocate of uh, the content going digital and uh, the, the various platforms. So the answer to Caleb's question is yes. And as a matter of fact, the goal was to do it today. I guess it would be... I don't know. I, I'm sure Patrick could make it work where you would be able to be on with me, I, I assume. I don't know what what software we would use to make that possible so people could see you as well. I'm but, sure it um, can be done. Patrick, yeah, uh, he's a real sharp guy, tech wizard. So Oh, man, he's, he's in a monster good way. Good guy to so have on your team. He is. I, you know, whatever it is that we wind up doing, uh, I want him as a part of it. That's my feeling on it, and that's why I uh, use his name because I want to publicly thank him for all that he has done already and um he texted me like at seven o'clock he said hey in the next half hour i'll be able to um to set it up on your your macbook um and i said okay i'm gonna be putting my son to bed and then i'll be ready and and i guess patrick doesn't have children at this point pete you don't have children at this point but even those with children probably would say 60 minutes to 90 minutes of bedtime is on the high end of bedtime. <laughs> and I didn't disclose to Patrick unintentionally that because I'll be putting my son to bed, I'll be out of pocket for at least the next 60 to 90 minutes. And so when I reappeared sometime after 9 o'clock, I think he he had already gone, okay, I guess Tim just forgot or didn't care or whatever. So he texted me this morning when I had texted him last night. Sorry, I turned my phone off and missed you. Otherwise, we would have tried to have set it up for today. So anyway, to answer your question, it's something that we want to do, uh, plan to do. And then I did use Twitch for the first time, created an account for myself, also have now created an account for Inside STL, which is the company that owns this show uh, and uh, the Ryan Kelly Morning After and all of its content, um, where I, I played poker on Sunday out of my mind tired just to do it and see how it work would work and then it wound, I wound up running you know fairly deep uh in the tournament I guess finishing in the top 10 percent and uh and by the time I was done 90 people were watching live as I played poker which is something I never would <laughs> have never would have thought but while it's it's I'm sure for 80% of the audience like wow I can't believe 90 people were watching you play poker um, it speaks to what I think Pete and Patrick, uh, and I also think guys on the radio show see, and that is the opportunity 
to do more and distribute it on more platforms. That is, you know, it's not, it's, I, I, sometimes I get caught up in saying that's where it's going. It's not where it's going. It already is where it is. And uh, it's our responsibility to, uh, to play that game. Now, I realize for a portion of the audience, it's not where it is. But for a large percentage of people under the age of 30 or 40, for that matter, or 50, who it depends upon your technological inclinations, but uh, you're already utilizing this uh, take your pick of Twitch, you know, and, or watching shows exclusively on, on YouTube, whatever. I mean, I just got hip to YouTube TV here two months ago, and I'm like, why did I miss that? And I think it's one of those things, once you, once you become comfortable with it, you go, oh, my God, this is so easy. And, and now you're accessing so many more people. So people who are only comfortable on Facebook, great. Well, it's there. People who don't have a Facebook account, they're on Twitter. They can watch it there. People who just want to watch on YouTube, we can make it available there. Twitch, make it available there. But more interactivity with the audience, creating more content. And even if I was not inclined to do it, what is going on right now, kind of go, okay, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit at home? No, you, I mean, let's, let's, let's use this incredibly tragic situation to try to do something. And, and um, I don't know if it was you I was talking with about it. Pete or Patrick or whomever, but it, I'll restate it if it was you. Even if we try 20 things and only one hit, right. great. That's how, I mean, that's how I look at it. I mean, how many shows am I responsible for that just absolutely failed? But I was in part responsible for the morning after, the creation of the morning grind slash morning after, and it hit, and 16 years later it's still going. So if you can get one out of however many, then great. So if none of this stuff winds out sticking outside of one, then we will have had one more than we had back in February, and that's that from my standpoint is a win. If people want to focus on the ones that don't work, it's fine. I've got the late-night score. I've got Nick and the Badger. Take your pick of whatever ones you want to pin on me. But we want to try to find some new ways to create more content and distribute it in a variety of manners for our audience. So to answer your question, Caleb, uh, the answer is yes, and I'm looking forward to having live interaction with the audience when we do these. I think it will enhance the uh, podcast that is uh, growing in popularity. Pete, uh, I have once again gone on another soliloquy. (laughs) I will shut up and enjoy a beverage and listen to your thoughts. Uh, Yeah, I think that the... uh visual aspect is huge i think that's where it is already i think it'll be awesome when we get to do that uh we're gonna try a lot of things scared money don't make money let's go that's right i like that scared money don't make money uh next question staying in the emails hello tim i don't need anonymity but i chose to email you instead of posting on facebook because my question is personal i won't blame you if you choose not to answer religion has come up a lot recently uh, on the podcast, and I'm wondering why you are agnostic after being raised Catholic. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. That's from Kevin Reese. Uh, it's a fair question. It's a great question. It's a, it's because it's, I think it leads to a especially when it's phrased that way. Um, it, it sets um, it sets the stage for a healthy discussion as opposed to attacking whether it be one who is agnostic attacking one who is religious or vice versa. Um, so for me, it has come up. It's, I think it's come up more because of what my wife and I decide to do with our son's education. Um, and I think that's why it's come up a decent amount. Um, I think it's come up nationally because of some stories in relation to um, the pandemic. But specifically on the podcast, I think it's come up more because of education and choices on schooling. 
And um, for me, my view is, if I could sum it up, is I hope there is a higher power, but my opinion is that it's unlikely. But I am not certain that there is a higher power, and I am not certain that there is not a higher power. Um, I think from a policy standpoint, uh, it's an incredibly difficult thing for government officials to attempt to legislate. So, because you have passion on both sides, passion on both sides, Um, perhaps the most intense passion of all. I actually think it may play a role in the divide right now, except it's it's like you have to dig under the surface so deep to see where it is. As I've cited a number of times, um, I think he's been on twice on the program, Jack Danforth, former U.S. Senator from Missouri. Um, in his book in 2006 um, regarding religion and politics and talking about being a U.S. Senator at the time of the religious right really getting tied to the Republican Party and how he, despite the fact that he is a a minister, um, had a real problem with it because he felt like the party was selling its soul for the purpose of getting this this monster voting block. His issue with it is if you are of the opinion or belief, I guess, I think belief is probably the proper word, that you are on the side slash political party of God, then two things are the byproduct of that. Number one, he or she who is not a member of that party is, by definition, even though it's not what one is saying, on the opposite side of God and therefore wrong. And then if indeed that is the premise, then how can one on the party of God of the opinion that he or she is doing God's will, because they are of the party of God, how can he or she compromise? Because you cannot compromise God's will. And so it is Senator Danforth's opinion that that has played a role in compromise, dying a slow death. Now, some people might listen to that and completely disagree. It's also not what what the question was, um, but... It helps get to my answer, which is I have found in my life experience a number of people who go out of their way to let you know how religious they are. And this is not (laughs) limited uh, to Christians. Um, And then you get to know them and then see the way they treat people when the light isn't on. Uh, or the mic isn't on, so to speak, and I'm not talking about broadcasting per se. I'm talking about when they are uh, in a spot where they could fly under the radar and and, and do something that would be uh, against their religion. They do it for their own self-interest. And I just find that to be incredibly hypocritical. And it rubs me the wrong way. From a Catholicism standpoint, um, what has transpired in the church with regard to sexual abuse is not something that that I can ignore and I would imagine there's a large number of people who would agree with that whether you be Catholic or or otherwise uh, that's a major thing 
um, it is. I, I also, but I do want to emphasize this: it is not the reason why I'm agnostic. Um, I don't. I don't even know how much of a reason it is. I, I think my questioning of it is is more um, rooted in what I consider to be logic, uh, in that Christianity, Judaism, Islam. Um, are not the only religions in the world. And there have been hundreds or thousands of religions in human history. And why is one right and the others all wrong? Um, and in addition to that, uh, it, the, the teachings of many of the religions are something that I do adhere to. Not because, however, they're religious teachings, just because I have found that it is a good way to get along. In other words, the, the golden rule of the New Testament, love thy neighbor, well, that, that's not the reason why I follow it or attempt to, which would be treat others how you want to be treated. It's just, I think, a good way, for me anyway, to, to try to live in principle, that people know they can, they, if I say it, I mean it. Because I know if somebody says something to me and then they wind up fucking me over, I'm not, that's not something that I would enjoy. So, therefore, I don't want to do it to other people. So, it was, it, was, it was an evolution, or I guess some people would say a regression, depending on your perspective, that took place uh, it, during my time at St. Louis U High. And um, it's not a place of certainty, but I also realize it's not popular. It puts me in the minority. Uh, and... I, uh, but I also think it would be disingenuous to to act like I am just to not just to appease people. Um, I want to be honest, but at the same time, I want to make it clear that those who are are not people I look down on or people that I disdain because I do know a number of people, especially family members, who are incredibly religious, but um, but I don't I don't share the same views. And honestly, I kind of wish that I did, but I don't. So that's, uh, that is where I am. I know I might not answer the question as to why, um, and I'm not like turning the tables as, well, why are you Catholic, you know, if, assuming that this gentleman is, because people arrive there. However, I mean, most of the time it's something that's ingrained at us at a young age, uh, and some people stay with it, and some people move away from it. Some people move away from it and then come back to it. And again, it's a case of to each their own. Uh, as somebody, I guess, who would be more data-driven, um, it's not something that my mind can can reason out. But I can tell you, I certainly hope. Once again, I hope uh, that uh, that that there is. I just at this moment don't believe there is, and I haven't for oh. 25 years, I guess, is probably about about what I would say. Gangster Pete, what about you? Even though I know the question was not directed to you, do you have any opinions on the topic? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there isn't a God, but it isn't proved to me there is. And, like, just because I grew up in the house I grew up means that that's the right God. So, I mean, I'm open to the higher power. I just don't know who it is. I, I mean, I can't, it can't, nothing can be proven to me. So... For me, I like kind of like you. I hope there is. I just I don't know what it is, and just because I grew up in the household I grew up and was taught what I was taught doesn't mean that. I mean, I'd be pretty lucky. I grew up in the house that <laughs> worships the right God, you know. And then there's all these other religions, 
uh, I think it's it's a really hard it's a really hard thing to grasp in my mind. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a topic I could talk about. I could you know just talk about it forever and love to hear people's opinions. And I love, it, you know, it's a weird thing. Um, they don't say they're embarrassed or anything like that. But we do have um, people of uh, not just people of faith, of course, but um, people in you know. Um, I don't know what the right term would be. I've had ministers email me. Let me put it that way, whatever you'd want to say. I don't know if that would be men of the cloth or what, or if that would be limited to Catholic priests. I have no idea. But, um, and just, just cool. And not like saying, hey, you ought to come by my church or, you know, like recruiting me or anything like that. But just, you know, um, they listen and, and they, you know, they respect, you know, it's not like a, I can't listen to you because you're agnostic. But as I've said before, uh, not that there is a large uh, amount of people who are uh, who are wanting me to run for office by any means, but in in when we talk about this, I say I really think it it would make make me or anybody running for a major office um, unelectable at this moment. At this moment, now we may have had agnostic or atheist presidents, but they have not talked about being agnostic or atheist presidents. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's one of the most important things to, uh, a large portion of the United States, but for me, it is not, it is more how somebody conducts themselves, um, rather than whether or not they go to church or synagogue or mosque or whatever the case might be. I just, it's just neither here nor there for me. Uh, next question, Tim. Hope you're doing well throughout all this craziness. My question is about the possible rebirth of online poker in America. Gangster Pete, we're three questions in, and there hasn't been one COVID-19 question. It's kind of, um, kind of refreshing, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose this is related, but it's not what it's about. I noticed you mentioned online poker a few times on the show the past couple of weeks since there's nothing going on with DraftKings due to COVID-19. With casino shutdown uh, nationwide presently, do you think online poker will see a boom? Do you think this will lead to any progress with the powers that be regarding the legalization of online poker in America? Also, if you've been playing online currently, are the games still much tougher than pre-Black Friday? Finally, just wanted to say I'm a longtime listener to the show from Arkansas. Started listening online when I was a huge Cardinal fan in high school and come of college uh, I'm not mocking it I just think there was an autocorrect situation or something there and come of college some of college that's what it probably was stopped listening for a few years after my interest in the Cardinals dropped off and started back listening to the show and podcast again within the last few months since my brother and sister-in-law moved to St. Louis wish we had a show like the morning after in Little Rock instead of a bunch of guys earnestly breaking down the Razorbacks three-star linebacker recruits in the off season. Anyways, thank you for taking my question, Caleb, in Central Arkansas. Um, to answer the question, uh, I guess there were a series of questions. With casino shutdown nationwide, do you think online poker will see a boom? My answer. Now you sent this question in on Thursday, March twenty-sixth. Uh, my answer is yes. We are already seeing it. It is one. I think your email actually, Caleb, when I read it was the reason why I texted one of my friends who I know still plays poker, I think is his full-time job, and it is not, it's not an easy way to make a living, period, especially post-Black Friday, which for I'm sure at this point there are people playing poker who don't even know about Black Friday because it'll be nine years on April 15th. Uh, but I texted him. It's probably the reason why I wound up playing on Sunday and creating a Twitch account. I texted him, 
And I will, what the hell, why not read the text exchange? Because um, I know a lot of people are just looking for something, if they gamble, looking for something and looking for something, um, you know, to play and also just to fill some time. So let me see what I got here. I texted him. Let's see, because he gave a pretty thorough answer. Um, Yes, I guess he heard us talking about it on the radio, Pete, and he said, I'm podcasting segment one. It really is a new poker boom right now. Games are insane. And then I asked him which sites. He said Bovada slash Ignition, America's Card Room, um, and then another one, but I I don't know if this one is for public consumption, and I'm not trying to be cryptic. I just don't know because he talked about invites and stuff like that, and I'm not interested in uh, airing anything out. But Bovada is no secret. America's card room is no secret. Hell, they advertise. Uh, and I said, um, he said, Bovada tournaments have been crushing the guarantees. The early afternoon $22 tournament, which is usually – a $7,777 guaranteed prize pool got a $26,000 prize pool yesterday. The, the, yeah, that's that's the point that I wanted to make sure I drove home, which is why I wanted to read his text. The nightly 25000 which is a $55 buy-in if memory serves, which starts at 7 o'clock St. Louis time, hit 60000 with $8,000 up top. So that's $8,000 for first place. And the play has been amazing. I've been putting in 15-hour days because the games are so good everywhere. I can't stop without feeling guilty about it. In other words, there's money to be made, and seeing as he's a legitimate player, uh, not taking advantage of this time, he feels like he's leaving dollars on the table. So I played in, which really, with, with the benefit of hindsight, was a bad move. Now, I wound up winning, not the tournament, the whole tournament, but winning money. Um, what usually is the big tournament on Bovada on Sundays, and it starts at 3 o'clock in St. Louis, and it's a $162 buy-in, and this event on Sunday had a guaranteed prize pool of $169,000. By the time registration closed, if I'm not mistaken, it wound up with $290,000 in the prize pool. Whoa. Uh, first place was 39000 uh, the top 387 made the money, 1,931 entrants, and seeing I was I was on damn near no sleep. We had just driven back from Florida the day before, and I was screwing around on Twitch. So you know, it's the first time I had ever been on Twitch and playing at the same time. Um, you know, my attention, it, my my level of play just wouldn't be where it it normally would be. I'm not paying attention. My attention's divided, and if you want to play and at least optimize your chances. That's not the way to do it, to do it when you're not, you know, when you haven't slept. I mean, it's kind of an obvious thing. So uh, I wound up, started things started at 3.09, and I got knocked out, like, right at 8.05-ish um, and played played well. I mean, was, and, and the thing that I'll notice, for those of you who are poker players, and then I'll kind of get off it because I think I'm talking to, like, 5% of people, but if you're looking to do it, it's it's out there now, is the games were, in my opinion anyway, at least I had a, I had a, I was observing it on Twitch and people could see my whole card, so they saw I was bluffing. Now sometimes they were semi bluffs where I had a number of outs, um, but just like some moves that over the last few years I would never be able to make. But I guess you're getting into what happened after Chris Moneymaker's run in 2003, 17 years ago, uh, where a number of people got into the game 
who weren't necessarily considered good players, but they just wanted to play. Fish. And good players usually play one style, and bad players usually play another. And you don't know somebody's good, and you don't know, therefore, they will play a certain style. And you don't know somebody is bad, and therefore, you don't know they'll play a certain style. But you can tell when people make certain moves, it helps give you an indication of whether or not they are good or bad. And I use that as kind of a predictive model for if I get into hands with them later, uh, who you can kind of push around and who you kind of want to stay away from. Uh, It's like setting up a business and you're putting your money into the pot, you want to put your money into the pot in a neighborhood that is going to be optimal for return on investment versus a neighborhood where it's going to be tougher to make money. That's how I view it. And there were just some, I was just like, God, okay, this guy's going to do this. And I'm like, oh, my God, what in the world did he just do? And so I think with people being bored at home, you have people getting in and playing when they are when they haven't played in a long time. And... They're just softer players. And so in that experience, and again, I'm talking about one tournament sample size, it was really soft because I didn't feel like, I mean, I wasn't on my game. I was exhausted and I'm chatting with people on Twitch and just not really paying attention. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to make the money. And now I'm like, holy shit, it's getting to a point where if I double up, I'm going to be in the top 40 in this thing and it pays $40,000. I mean, this is, this is, you know, in second place, probably paid like twenty dollars or $15,000. I don't remember. But these are material dollars. Um, so for those of you who are interested, um, I, you know, and you're looking for something to do just to get competitive juices flowing or you like the game, it is back. And it is absolutely a boom, 100% a boom. All right, I'm going to stay on the emails. Let's see what we got here. Oh, boy, this is a long one. I don't know. don't know if this is a direction I want to go just because I feel like it's, it's too much. So I'm going to pivot off of it. Um... All right, I'm going to go to the fan page, Gangster P. Uh, A few days behind on the podcast, so apologies if you've covered this already, but curious if you have any predictions about how the virus situation will affect the presidential election. I realize there are a thousand variables. Just curious. I think it's a great question. We haven't discussed it on the radio. Um, Pete, what's your opinion? I mean, I think obviously it'll it'll have a role. I think both sides are going to try to use it to discredit the other side. I haven't really thought about it much. I mean, I'm more concerned with getting over this thing. I I hadn't really thought about it much either, which is something else considering, God, what, was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago we had our last, you and When I you really get into this stuff, too. So that's really What's surpri- that? You really get into this stuff. So yeah. That's, that's really surprising. I mean, I had, Joe, I had, the reason why I bring it up is we're doing this on Tuesday, March 31st. We're recording this on Tuesday, March 31st. And so the reason I bring it up is it was either two or three weeks ago we had our last primary. I guess you could look that up while I'm uh, while I'm pontificating. So that's my passive aggressive way of asking you to look it up. Uh, the, the premise being, this is this is it had to be it had to be less than two weeks ago because I remember talking about on the show that there was a bet on Bovada. God, it seems like this was a month ago, man. It is so fucked up. Um, there was a bet on Bovada as to whether or not Bernie Sanders would get out of the race by March twentieth. And it was, uh, it was like, it was expected that he would not. And I said, I just totally disagree with it. I think he will get out of it by March 20th. Well, obviously, we're 11 days removed from that. I was wrong. And, um, and I think the reason was, let's see, let's do our math, 24-17th. So that's the, I think that's the last day of the primaries. Yep. Uh, 
Is that correct? Yeah, Arizona, Florida, Illinois. Yeah, and yeah, Florida, and um, I thought I thought Biden would uh, would have the nomination essentially, and uh, Sanders would would get out, and he is still in as we speak. So, um, so I mean, here we are, two weeks removed, and I feel like Joe Biden has been, you know, all. I mean, the first half of the month, the story was not the coronavirus. Now, people were talking about it. The story was Joe Biden going from being done to having the nomination. And really, in a matter of like a handful of days, it happened that quickly. Um, and I happened to be right on that one. Although, I want to make it clear, what I wrote was not that Joe Biden will be the nominee in advance of the South Carolina primary. I said he is currently, I think, plus 750. And that's giving him, I don't remember what the, the math is, I think it's 13%. To win the nomination, and I said, "There's that's just there's there's a monster edge in that if you want to bet it because he is greater than a 13 percent chance to win the nomination, and here is how it would happen, and that wound up happening." But I didn't say this is what's going to happen. So, with that all said, what has happened over the last I don't know, ten days to two weeks, he's been in a spot where he I I, I don't know I don't know what the right move for him is, uh, because if he is this is a this is a global crisis. It's certainly now uh, focused on for those of us in the U.S. an American crisis. I look up at the television monitor as I'm talking, Pete, and there are 171,556 cases in the United States. I screenshot that Johns Hopkins site to watch the progress, and um, on March 26th, so five days ago. There were 69,197 cases um, and uh, less than 500 deaths, I believe, in the United States. There are now 3,376 deaths. Um, so you get the idea of the, of the exponential growth, which was kind of the unfortunate reality of this is that it was going to grow exponentially. So if you're Joe Biden, you know, Andrew Cuomo has a reason. I'm looking up. Andrew Cuomo is doing one of his press conferences. Andrew Cuomo has reason to talk. He's in a state that is hardest hit at this moment by it. If Joe Biden were to pop up and, and do a press conference, it would be out of place. Uh, President Trump has a reason to talk. Now, whether or not people enjoy his press conferences, that's a different conversation, but he is the president. And so Joe Biden, he's, he's made some appearances on um, television shows, and now I see he's going to do a podcast, which just really is kind of weird to me, but he's trying to find a way to stay in the conversation at a time where it's awkward to stay in the conversation. So there's two different ways to answer that question. How long is this going to go on is is certainly relevant to it, um, and I really don't, I don't, you know, I mean, who, who, who knows that answer? Um, but if this goes on for months, I don't know if it is. But the, and by that, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that hurts Joe Biden. I think if this goes on for months, the other side of that would be if people um, put a large amount of the blame for it on President Trump. And I am not interested, nor am I litigating that here. Uh, that's not what I'm doing. I'm talking about the electorate. It's not like I was in South Carolina and said, here's what's going to happen in South Carolina. I said, 
based on what I know about the demographics of South Carolina and then what I think the Democratic Party is seeing with it being essentially Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Biden, they're going to rally behind Joe Biden after he wins South Carolina, and that's why I think he is very live to win the nomination. So that wasn't, I think Joe Biden is the best and therefore will be the Democratic nominee and has my support. So I'm observing what I think voters would do. And and right now, Joe Biden has gone from being on television every day with an incredible amount of momentum in the first half of the month to being an afterthought. So there's that element of it. And then the other element of it is um, if, if the U.S. comes out of this, not... Um, I don't know what the, what the proper definition would be, destroyed with, you know, take your pick of whatever death toll, take your pick of whatever economic impact you would consider to be destroyed. Um, I'm certain that people will say that's President Trump's doing and his leadership. And then on the other side, people say, well, this many people died, this economic impact happened, it didn't have to be this way. That's because President Trump didn't pay attention to it and said it was this and said it was that in January and February and early March. And then it wasn't until he acknowledged it being a major problem that everybody got on board. Because as you know, Pete, from seeing our text inbox uh, for, man, I don't even know, three quarters of the month of March, anytime we would talk about it, there would be a healthy number of texts, and certainly those numbers of texts have declined, uh, attacking us for talking about it and treating it seriously. Um, it's still there, but it's very rare. Or if it's if it's portrayed, like initially it was the flu. That you don't hear anymore. At least I, I don't. I guess it's still out there, but I don't, I don't hear it as much as I, I was. So it depends on what your perspective is for how serious you take it. But I absolutely think it will have an impact on the presidential race. And I think as things stand at this moment on March 31st, it already has, but it will have ebbs and flows depending on how this plays out over the next seven months. I think that's a good point about Joe Biden being in a bad spot. Because, I mean, if he comes out and he says things and it ends up being way wrong, like the information we get changes so rapidly every day, it makes him look bad. And then if he doesn't say anything, it kind of makes him look like a poor leader, not presidential, you know? I, it's, I don't, I mean, God, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't know what, I, I don't know what he, I don't know what he can do, what he can do. <laughs> it's a tough spot. I just, I don't think he can, you know, I mean, because I just think, it, you know, I said this on the radio and I'll say it again here, I would not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I would not vote for Mitch McConnell. I'm not in a position to vote for or against Mitch McConnell, and I would not, uh, and I'm not in a position to vote for Nancy Pelosi. However, I want to see them all succeed here, and that's not like a cop-out. I watch President Trump's press conferences, and, you know, for me, I just go, boy, this is, you know, it's just, it's just not what I personally would want in a president, uh, especially at this time, at all. I mean, it's just not, in my lifetime, I don't even know who I don't even know who would be comparable to, you know, handling oneself like he handles himself during these things. But it doesn't matter at this moment. I want him to be right when he when he was saying last week, he thinks that Easter would be a beautiful time for the country to reopen. 
and that uh, we're, we're cl- the, the, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, even though in my mind, it wasn't even in my mind, it's from talking to doctors. <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my mind, it's from it's a guy getting information. And they're like, no, that's not, rem-. it's just like they're just exasperated by it, but they're exasperated by their situation more so, but then when I'm communicating with them, I'm like, no, that's not only just not true it would be devastating if that if he were to do that you know unfortunately someone stepped in and said you can't do that and you know now that's off the table and we're we're at april 30th and kind of hinting that we're really at june 1st and that might be optimistic it's just it is you know at this point he's kind of like okay this is what it is you're just kind of used to it but it doesn't matter i want him to be successful and for me as i also said on the radio if if the the trade out so to speak is that means he leads us through this whatever your definition of leads us through it in other words it does not destroy the country and hundreds of thousands of americans or even tens of thousands of americans die and that means he spins cuz he's going to spin it no matter what and his supporters will spin it no matter what that he and that means he gets reelected fine 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 i'm it's like an insta call fine as I said, and I, and I feel like I have to keep restating it, um, who is polling for the coronavirus? Who is polling for death? Who is polling for economic destruction? Because when we start litigating the legitimacy of data and spinning data, I just, I, I, it, it makes me want to, I, I, I really have a tough time with that. That really, like I'm fine if you want to discuss whether or not Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton or George H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan would have handled it differently and what we knew in January and what we didn't know in January and how things have evolved in the month of March with information and changing advice from the CDC and all of those things. It's fine. But data, we're, we're you know, it, it, that, that becomes, and I, can't, I have a tough time with that. I have a real tough time with that, as I said, with regard to the religion question. I'm data-driven. And so what are we saying that this is that this isn't real? I mean, initially it was the flu thing. And it's like, yeah, that's not it. But I don't really want to I don't because because I, I saw who was saying it was the flu thing and they had a common trait. They were Trump people. And and so now then it then it became when he was t- you, you can you already see what winds up happening. He says, we got to open up the, the economy. So then what happens? His people then there. But not all of them. So I said last week we had the question on the fan page, and I don't know how many votes. I feel like it was close to 1,000 votes. Do you feel like we are close to the light at the end of the tunnel, or do you see the light at the end of the tunnel for the pandemic? And 90-plus percent said no. So obviously of that 90-plus percent, let's say it's 1,000 voters, so that means 900 said no. Well, the fan page has about 50-50 or 55-45 or 60-40 Trump support. And so that means a large percentage of people who would be Donald Trump supporters said, no, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But that doesn't mean that they don't support the president. It just there was a question. They were able to separate the two. I heard the president say there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I see it. And they're like, yeah, it's not. That's not how I see it. And they said, no. And I, I think that's refreshing to not just go, well, he said it, so therefore I am going. Now some people still will. And you can already, like, if you're on the fan page, you can already, like, name the people. You know who, they're, who they are and what they're going to say and what they're going to do. But then you could also, on the other side of it, go, okay, if it's a liberal take, you know who it is and what they're going to. And I like when somebody goes, yeah, I'm a big Trump fan, or yeah, I'm not a Trump fan, but I like this or I don't like this. And you kind of 
to me, that gives a person credibility. Because I just can't imagine, like, being in lockstep, like a military march in North Korea, with something any individual says. You're going to agree and disagree, sometimes proportionately higher with the individual, you know, depending on the case. But not not 100% in lockstep, just like a party's platform. So I, I am... I am watching this and pulling for him. So that's why when I see things that I go, oh, my goodness, like now, now that's going to become the focal point, and it just doesn't do any, anybody any good, talking about the ratings of the press conferences or attacking Peter Alexander. You know, it's like, oh, you know, and I notice it. Listen, I, I would not vote for it. I can't imagine a circumstance in which I would vote. I really can't. I cannot. I cannot. But I, CNN was playing a soundbite, and I can't recall what it was, but I noticed it. And I believe as we were driving along, um, my wife and I, we were talking about it, and I said, this is something that's, that's at least a day old, if not two days old, and it's just him being combative, and it's kind of irrelevant to what the discussion is. Now, I know it's going to titillate people because it's him being combative, and I'm sure more than 50% of the population would say not presidential, but it's got nothing to do with what's going on right now. And and then, and then listen, if people still want to pull against the president, then okay. But that's not where I am. And it's and Pete, we've talked about it here for a few weeks, like litigating the politics of it. There will come a time litigating the actions of officials. There will come a time. But at this moment, this is a crisis. And... It's we're all in. I mean, it, I, God, I hate saying it because I feel like it sounds like something that that's just like cliche, and, <laughs> you know, like, oh, and it's on both sides. That kind of like, you know, which isn't what I'm trying to say. But it, but it is it's how I feel. We are all in it together. I liked seeing John Kerry and President Trump screw around on Twitter last Friday. I liked seeing I mean, my God, what are the chances you have a formal Democratic presidential candidate and uh, secretary of state Democrat? interacting and screwing around and agreeing with President Trump and President Trump saying, oh, I didn't know John Kerry had a sense. It was just kind of like nice to see as, you know, trivial as it was. And uh, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz having interactions like this is nice to see. It doesn't mean a damn thing. It's just nice to see, because when it does get down to it, that's the direction we have to go. At this moment of all time, this is absolutely the moment. So I want to see President Trump and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi be successful. Whether I would vote for them or not at this moment is just, it just couldn't be any less important in my personal opinion. Uh, next question is, are you considering doing QFT on Twitch? We talked about that at the beginning. The yep. answer is absolutely yes. Um, this one, how concerned are you? that media outlets like radio stations and podcasts might have to take a temporary break if this goes on long enough due to lack of advertising revenue? Um, it's a great question. It's an awkward question just in the sense that, um, you know, and I'm not saying this to like, oh, I've talked about this 100 times. I like any time I have an opportunity to say it because the more I have a chance to say it, the more people will understand. Inside STL owns the, the radio show, the content of the radio show, that's why you hear things from even the 1380 days, because I own the content there, not I, but Inside STL, of which I am the majority shareholder. It owns this, uh, this podcast content. It owns the Cat Chat. We license out the content for KFNS, Markell Entertainment is the parent company, 
to sell advertising on. In exchange, the six of us on the radio show and the podcast receive salaries. Um, so I am not privy to what our sales staff is, at KFNS is dealing with with regard to advertising. My educated guess would be it's brutal, and it wouldn't just be brutal at KFNS. Take your pick of any media outlet right now. Um, who is spending money on advertising? And so that is, I, I mean, you know, so many people. I mean, who isn't affected by this? And again, who isn't affected by it? negatively i'm sure you can point to a few industries not but they're not that they're like oh this is the greatest thing ever but that are making more money because of it but the majority of course are not and uh, advertising certainly would fall into that uh category so um again i'm not a, a salesperson nor am i operating the station nor am i selling advertising for this podcast i host the show i host the podcast um but it's something I would imagine everybody is dealing with because you just take a step back and go, who is advertising at this moment? If anything, people are trying to figure out a way to keep the lights on. So, you know, the first thing they would be cutting would be advertising. Pete, any thoughts on that? Uh, I know it's not it's not something that you're uh, experiencing on a day-to-day uh It'd be level, pretty, but, uh, pretty sweet to work at Netflix. Yeah, my goodness. Uh, I mean, online poker. We talked about a boom there. That's that's yep. that's what that's that's another one. Um, let's see. There's a bunch of people commenting on. It. I don't know if there's anything I can answer answer under it. Um, I don't know. Okay, but it's people asking other people questions. Um, let's see. Joe Roderick is active in here. He's saying, "Yep, the first piece of advice given to me was that I should post the same time every day slash week." I wish I could say I've been doing that with a wrestling podcast, but shit happens. Ha. So I guess people are debating podcasts. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if you would get into, you know, podcasts, it, it's, 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 and I said it regarding Biden earlier. I mean, it's kind of become a thing like it's a joke that everybody has a podcast, but everybody kind of has a podcast. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so the, the question is, of the, let's say there are a million podcasts, and I don't know, that might be high, it might be low. I have no idea. I certainly think it's in play, but maybe I'm out of my mind. I, I mean, that's what, one out of 332 Americans have a podcast. If we're just talking about American podcasts, um, that's probably high. But globally, I don't know. There's Point not a million being, today. There could be a million tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's nuts. So with that said, of the million, how many are turning a profit? And now at that point, you've gone down to five digits. I'm saying that with a pretty good deal of certainty. Uh, I think a lot of people just do it for a hobby. Some people might do it to try to build a career. Um, Some people already had established audiences and then wanted different outlets. So it just depends. Um, it, It certainly can happen. And then, and then, then, then if you want to narrow it down even more, enough of a profit that it can become the full-time job so now you're now you're at four digits you know um so that's i guess the way that i would attempt to answer that question regarding podcasts but uh as we were saying at the outset with regarding twitch and all the, the various platforms that is the way things have already started to go are going and absolutely will be within you know i don't even know by 2025 is a, from my standpoint a lock and if you're not cognizant of that, um, you're 
you're going to be swallowed up when it happens, you know. Um, let me make sure that I uh, thank some people for making this whole thing possible because these advertisers are still with us. And I am in the midst of refinancing with Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And Gangster Pete, I can't tell you how easy it has been. Um, and I, 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 I could, I, I, there have been a couple of things where we've had some things pop up and how it's, they just have a number of people working on everything and they just they really do take care of it for you. It's not a joke. It's not. It's not just a spot uh, that Ryan Kelly does, and then you get in, get into it and go, "Oh, that wasn't true." It has been an incredibly positive experience, and I suppose when it gets down to it, the most important thing is I am going to be saving. Let me try to do some percentages on the fly to get my mind back in poker mode. Um, what my total house payment was and what it will be, and I would say we're talking about. 17 to 20 percent range that i'm saving by refinancing and it's not like i'm going interest only uh with an arm that's not what i'm doing you can certainly lower your interest rate and go that route that's not what we are doing but um there's just so many opportunities right now but the market is volatile which means rates are going to be volatile so you got to lock it in that's what ryan was saying when he was on the radio show this morning he's online at the home loan expert Dot com. Another thing that is incredibly important right now, speaking about the volatility of the markets, is to have somebody you know you can lean on. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies would be that person. Evergreenstl.com. Mark is a friend of the podcast and a loyal advertiser in addition to uh, being on the radio show and taking our questions. And I know this. If you are going, oh, my goodness, we as a household have lost take your pick of whatever percentage it has been over the last month i am in a panic mode i need to talk with somebody mark Hanna is the person to talk to go to evergreenstl.com and talk with mark Hanna of evergreen wealth strategies you will be very happy that you did you will be very happy that you did he helps everyday people every day at 314 314- Eight eight nine zero five zero three. That's three one four eight eight nine zero five zero three. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. Uh, let's see. I'm very far behind, so maybe this has been covered. What is one pleasant surprise from this current situation? What is one thing that you were not expecting to suck so hard, but does? It's a good question. I'm sure if this were like asked in a public forum, people might chastise, pleasant surprise. Um, But that's not what uh, we do here because we're not looking to take people out for uh, words that that might not be deemed acceptable to masses uh, because I understand what you're trying to say. So God bless. Um, Gangster Pete, I'm going to buy time by throwing it to you first. A couple things off the top of the head. I'd say it's kind of focusing people or making people focus more on their health. And then also uh, making people appreciate the small things that they kind of took for granted before this whole thing started. So I think those are definitely two positives you can take away from this. Couldn't agree with you more. Great answer, too. Hey, thanks, great man. Answer. A big time great answer because I, 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 I wouldn't have thought of that. And I was I was driving along last night. Um, I haven't I hadn't seen my parents, which is so weird. Um, it has to be the longest time I've gone in my life, uh, actually. Um, I haven't seen them probably since Christmas morning until March 30th, so three-plus months wow. because they go out of town um, right after Christmas, 
And right as they got back, I was driving down to spring training. And we just got back a couple days ago, which means they haven't seen my son in in three plus months. And so I was driving down to the Hampton location of Salt and Smoke um, to pick up Salt and Smoke, which I had been craving, being out of town. And um, and I was on the phone with my parents, obviously seeing how they're doing and talk with them regularly. I suppose that's something that is a positive that's come out of this. I mean, I always text with them, but getting on the phone to seeing how they're doing. And I said, hey. Jameis and I are in the car. We're going to pick up salt and smoke. I know we can't hug and kiss and everything like that, but it would be great to see you guys. And so, you know, just, you know, they were so grateful that we stopped by and to be able to see their grandson. Um, but also sad, you know, my mom texted me. It broke my heart that I couldn't hug him. And because he, and he goes, I want to run to Nana. I want to run to Nana and, and couldn't do it. You know, especially with us coming from Florida, man. I mean, that's. That's becoming a, a hot zone, and especially South Florida. And uh, and he couldn't do it, you know, and she couldn't do it. And that, that broke her heart, you know, and I couldn't do it. And um, so, it, you know, that was that's that's and as I was driving back, I can picture exactly where I was on the south side, driving back on Nottingham, approaching uh, Jameson, not my son, the street. And I'm thinking to myself, man, whenever this ends, we will have a greater appreciation for the things that we took for granted. So, Gangster Pete, you're right on target. I bet a lot of people already feel that way. And if this winds up going on for months, um, I mean, I, I don't know what will wind up happening if it goes on for months, but but at the very least, that certainly will that appreciate. I mean, just like right now, like going, like going to a Cardinal game and just sitting there and having a beer – Going to a blues game and just sitting there and having a beer sounds orgasmic, you know? Oh, nice frosty Budweiser. Woo. Just hanging out and bullshitting with people, you know, and yet and yet, two and a half weeks ago I was at a game at Roger Dean Stadium. It might have been the last game. No, it wasn't because I think they had that game with the Marlins that they felt like was super weird because baseball had already called it two days later. They already called it season. Um, I think that's what it was. I don't know what it was. It was either way. It was, it was a cold day. I mean, it was legitimately cold. Um, certainly for Florida, it was cold. And even for St. Louis, it would be considered cold. And the Cardinals were playing the Astros. And I went to it. It was more because I know my uh, in-laws like to go to games. Uh, I was already over there doing stuff for the podcast. And I love taking my son and Anna Marie's with us, of course. So the five of us go to the game. And it was like, this fucking sucks. It's too cold. It's an exhibition game. I don't even know who the fuck these people are out there playing right now. I just want to go and hit golf balls. That's what I was thinking. Just a total asshole. Not that that's alarming to anyone. And, uh, and I mean, now I'd go back to, to, to any spring training game and just sit there. And, and the, the bliss of the ignorance is uh, because it was that day, two hours before that game had started, that John Mazalok said, started off his press conference. Not press conference. It's like five of us there. Me, Mike Claiborne, Derek Gould, Ben Fredrickson, Rick Hummel. Um, those are people I can recall being there, you know, and we're on the field and right field of Roger Dean. And they had just met with Major League Baseball officials to talk about what to do with the coronavirus. And at that time, of course, they're in baseball mode. And then that was when they went into the Gyro Munoz situation, and that became the story. The coronavirus is what he started with, and everybody just kind of went, all right, 
this Munoz thing, you know, let's talk about that. And that's what everybody talked about. And I tweeted out video of the coronavirus thing. It got hardly any views in the Munoz <laughs> thing. And Dylan Carlson, remember him, and whether or not he was going to start the season with the Major League team, that was what got the reaction. And two weeks later, people wouldn't even remember Jairo Munoz went AWOL from the Cardinals. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, you know, it's like I was writing something last Thursday, Pete, so five days ago at this point. Um, and answering a question, I think it's where I, I don't know, I think it was going off on a tangent, but I was saying, who is polling for the coronavirus? We have to, if we're, if we're going <laughs> to say that people are like spinning data, we have to like have our motive. We have to have a motive if we're going to say there's a crime. Uh, and I said, and keep in mind, two weeks ago, Hideki Matsuyama just walked off the golf course with a, with a round of nine under at the players. And I think it drove home to people like, holy shit, that felt like, it doesn't even feel like it was months ago. It feels like it didn't happen. Uh, and to think that 14 days earlier, that's what had happened, that, that, that Hideki Matsuyama was leading the players when he shot, I guess, 63. It just seems foreign. And it, so the during, pre- their, during that round, they, had, they cut into the PGA uh, commissioner, and he was talking about how they were going to play the next day with no fans. With and then no by, fans the time, by the time that round was over, it was done. Right. They, they had said that's it. Like it so, happened that fast. That that and that's the thing. It's like every week we do one of these. I go, okay, we're talking about this now. What are we going to be saying in a week? And that's, you know, and for me, you know, I was asking Doug and the Cat yesterday um, if they knew anybody with it. And and for me, and these aren't people who like email me. You know, these are people. These are friends. I guess uh, potential business partners. Um, well, I guess Pete, you and I both know somebody who. Uh, we interviewed for our family interview uh, venture that we were doing in December and January, um, who not only got it, but passed away, um, who was just a great man. You know, it, it's, 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 it's weird to talk about it because you don't want to be sliding anybody else when you say it. But we did about 25 to 30 of those whenever we can. We want to do it again. That's for certain. Um, I think it would be very weird to be marketing that product right now. So uh, it is like so many other things on sabbatical. But this gentleman really stood out to both me and you. Yeah. And um, and he and, and one of the reasons was his personality, but another reason was he left and within 15 minutes of leaving, his wife called or texted me or emailed me or whatever and said. Uh, he is crying his eyes out because he forgot to mention, he feels like he forgot to mention some people and, and he, he had lung cancer and he knew his time was short and he felt like this, this interview that he wanted his family to hear after he passed away, which he thought would be a year or two away, um, that he, he didn't mention these people and spent enough time on them. And I said, Hey, he can come back right now. He can come back tomorrow, whatever. And he came back. And just, you know, spent time on those people. And I recall Pete, and I don't even know if I told you this, he called me at least once after that, if not twice. And like the second time, I was still in St. Louis, but I think it might have been February. And we interviewed him, I think, on either January 21st or January 24th. And so it was still that important to him. And I talked about his passing on the radio show. Um, the main reason, really, was because I was just I was telling my wife in our in our kitchen at our um, when we were out of town, and I I got emotional. Um, I said it just it, 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 his passing. He knew he was going to pass away. 
he had a, he had I think it was stage four lung cancer. He knew what was going to happen. That and his family knew it was going to happen. And to his credit, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, I think it it might have made his family uh, sad. But to him, the way he, he was just like, this is the hand I've been dealt, and it's the way it's going to be. But I want to make sure I tell my story so they have it, and I want them to listen to it after I'm gone. So he was good with it, as good as you can be with that that diagnosis. But they weren't thinking it was going to happen like this. But the reason why it broke my heart and still does, even now talking about it now yeah. a week later, is because we knew how you and I saw firsthand, and nobody else did because it's me and you in the studio with our with our guests for these interviews. We knew how important family was. Not to say that it's not with everybody else, but like to the point that he was weeping and broken down that he didn't mention the people and he wanted to come back. And what winds up happening with this is you die alone. And that just kill that just kills me. It kills me now. It's hit me again as I say it. Just, that just it's heartbreaking, just, it just, man. It, it just there's no other there's no other word for it, Pete, than heartbreaking. You're exactly right. It it just absolutely crushes me to think about that now. I'm grateful for this. It certainly was not my intent. I didn't notify the family that I was going to talk about. I did. I still haven't mentioned the name, uh, not on the radio or not on the podcast, but they knew who I was talking about. Um, and I don't know. I mean, his his wife, uh, his children, his grandchildren, um, family members like uh, my brother, uh, son-in-law. I mean, they've they've all sent me emails or in the case of his wife texted me and I mean I mean because as it turns out this is another element of this that people don't think about and I guess it'll become mainstream soon enough unfortunately that you can't have a wake that you can't have a funeral and he served in the military and something that was important to him and his family was that he would have um, a burial at uh, if I'm not mistaken Jefferson Barracks and um, all that comes with it. And, of course, that can't happen. And so what uh, you and I in particular, since we were the only ones on the radio show who, who interacted with him, what we said about him, uh, a couple of the people who, who emailed me said it almost served like a memorial service for him, and it was like a eulogy, um, which is a combination of being beautiful but tragic. Yeah. And um, and it just and, and um, it turns out I don't think I've told you this I haven't seen you either obviously uh, to to bring this up I don't obviously text all the time but but they uh, one of the people who contacted me in the family said you know just so you know he didn't die completely by himself um, and I was like, oh. oh and then good. I kept reading, and then it almost got, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know. I don't know. It, it drives it home. Whether it's sadder or not, take your pick. But a nurse sat with him and held up his phone so he could FaceTime with his wife. Oh, man. Whew. Yeah. But that's, so when I talk about this, and that I guess that's why, I, I, when I say I'm not doing well with it, I think of those things. I think of my friend who I think you know. I know you know. I, I, I know you know. I, I've talked about him if you haven't met him, um, who's a potential business partner um, and, and was so ahead of the curve on this situation. Um, 
and now he has it, which is just, you know, I don't know what the right word would. I want to use ironic, but I don't feel like that's a proper use of the word. And has, by the way, has had it, I think, it's like losing track of time, for a couple of weeks at least. Um, it might be three weeks. And he's the one who um, we were talking about getting together, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to uh, – I don't want to get into – I don't want to get it because I'm giving away some details. and Not that you'd have to really know a lot to know who it is, and, and most people wouldn't care. And by the way, this is not Jim Edmonds. Um, cause I'm sure some people are probably thinking that, um, but the, the, you know, this is a, this is not a public figure. So that's why I'm careful about it, but he was so ahead of it. And I was saying, oh, are you doing this because of the coronavirus? And this was either like March 3rd or 10th when we were emailing about it. It had to be the third, but maybe it wasn't. I'm sure I have it saved. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I was talking to some people in both the, uh, financial, world and the medical world and this thing's about to get really bad and people don't know how bad it's about to get and he didn't have it at the time and like a week later he got the symptoms goes in while calls all over the place nobody has a test now again it's a couple weeks ago for those hypersensitive about anecdotes regarding testing which is one of the things that you navigate when you talk about this right now um but this is a real story uh, and then he found a place that had one. They're like, we had, we just got to come in right now, get tested. He got tested. So you should know in two to three days, uh, but it has been taking a week. And I think it wound up taking nine days. He was confirmed to have it. Significant other got symptoms. Uh, and then he has a, a parent now who is dealing with it. And the parent is now, uh, uh, in, I think, in the ICU on a ventilator. Um, and what he texted me is this thing... He goes, please tell people how serious this is because it has absolutely brought me to my knees in the last 24 to 48 hours. And um, he's somebody who has done well for himself um, financially and, you know, didn't say it in a, you know, like that crap that goes on right now with people, you know, just I'm not talking about like the humble brag shit. I'm talking about like flaunting shit. It's just gross. And somehow it's like celebrated. It's a really, it's just absolutely not, I don't know what the hell that's about. My point on this is he's not one of those people. Um, and, uh, you know, so it wasn't like a brag. He was making the observation, I have been lucky enough to, you know, to be in a spot where I have resources. And this has brought me to my knees. It does not care about that. You are, you are, you are, you know, I can't. I can't see my mom. Uh, they can't see me, and it's just it's absolute. You're, you're absolutely isolated. Uh, you know, I was watching an interview with a lady in Connecticut last night, Pete, who was talking about um, you, you go into the ER and then you're by yourself. You're in a room by yourself because they can't get close to you. Right. And and that you know, I mean. I don't know. And here's another thing. By the way, this is an aside, although it's certainly relevant to the conversation. You see these projections. My understanding is there are going to be uh, bigger um, numbers coming out here, a model uh, from the government uh, today. Let's see if that happens um, on what the projections are. Because I think when you had both Dr. Fauci and President Trump acknowledging that 100,000 deaths would be a good 
result. And you're going, okay, as you and I are talking, Pete, there are 3,392, um, you know, <laughs> you do the math yeah. of we're not even close yet. And I was reading this morning before we did the radio show that, and this caught me off guard, that there could be up to 80,000 deaths by August. And I'm going, okay, then that would mean it's still going and it still would be going past August. And maybe I'm reading it wrong. You know, you're kind of like, it's like a poker hand. You're trying to piece together your information to come to a conclusion, albeit in this case, you're not going to see the cards for however long. But that hit me because my perception, which may be inaccurate, in talking with doctors are these, are these, are these plateaus. Now, one of the doctors with whom I've spoken expected uh, it to start dropping off in St. Louis in mid-June. Uh, but the peak to begin, I guess at this point, in the next 14-ish days in St. Louis. Now, of course, it's a case-by-case basis. But that stood out to me. It's like, wow, that means, I mean, this, you know, why, where is it this moment? Perhaps some people who are not affected by it yet are going, not like where it's like crushing them, going, oh, well, you know, at least I'm home with the family. Now, maybe people are well past that and beyond, you know, out of control with it. But if this is still, if what we are experiencing in March is still going on in August, and I think it's possible, but I, I didn't necessarily think it was likely. I just, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I, I just, it just kind of blows my mind. My doctor uh, friend said it's going to get bad in the rural areas too. They're not going to have enough beds and then they're going to be taking people up to the cities also. Uh, so there's another another wave coming. I just don't I just don't, you know and then and then you know to take to go let's talk data. Not talking about American data. Let's talk Chinese because the thought process that the, the and I think a lot of this is rooted in oftentimes I don't think it's political. I think it's people just want hope. And there's a difference there. There's an important difference there. Um, and go, well, in China, now granted, it's a different operation there with an authoritarian government. But in China, life's returning back to normal. And then people are going, well, hold on a second. Now we're starting to wonder if what China is saying as far as their data is actually accurate. And that peace of mind it was giving some who are monitoring the numbers closely from China, it might not be real. And then you go, oh, no. Um, so that's something that I can't help but but think about as I see that play out, uh, Gangster Pete. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. I think that we need to just prepare ourselves. This is going to go on a little longer than we want it to. Um, with regard to what is one thing that you were not expecting to suck so hard but does... Um, that was the second question of our original question on this one. Pete, I'll go to you. You had a great answer, two answers on the on the good one. I mean, just not being able to get out of the house and go places you want to go, you know, like you can't go anywhere. And that that sucks harder than I thought. Like it sounded pretty cool. Oh, I gotta stay home and watch TV and read a book, whatever. But now it's like I need. I want to get out of here and I can't. In talking with uh, a couple of my friends who. Um, who live in St. Louis, they're like, golf is the thing that is keeping me sane. But yet, 
Illinois has been off, on, off, on, now off again with golf. Florida was I don't know what I don't know what to make of Florida. Florida is Florida is Florida is a potential book whenever this is all said and done because I don't know what I don't know what what was going on there and what is going on there. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. So last week when they when it, I mean when it went from kind of like everybody can still keep their restaurants open and you know if fifty one percent or something like that you know or eating food you can serve drinks. It was just a weird deal. And then it was all as long as the tables are separated. So two weeks ago was the last time my wife and I went to dinner, um, and they just had the tables separated, um, you know, by by the proverbial six feet. But then it wasn't statewide edicts like you saw with, like, Governor Pritzker in Illinois. It was county-by-county edicts. And so Palm Beach County, Jupiter, Florida, Palm Beach County, uh, shut down golf courses. But then some clubs were just like, well, we're private and we're going to keep operating. So then that became an issue. Uh, and then there are some counties, uh, I guess, to the north or west, um, where there are some courses where some of the PGA guys are members, and they stayed open. And so that became a flashpoint. So it's interesting to me that every state kind of has their own rules. As a golfer... I'm thrilled that at this moment I can still go out. I think I'd walk, but that's fine. I walk anyway um, and play. And it's not like you're playing with 20 people. You might be playing with, you know, obviously at the most three. But I feel like that within the next couple of weeks, Missouri will be getting rid of golf. Gangster Pete, what is your opinion? Uh, Yeah, my my old man's uh, wife told him to play as much as he can before it gets locked down. So we uh, we played yesterday at the Bluffs, and uh, you felt very comfortable there. They were, like, social distancing the carts. Like, you got there, the carts were, like, spread out, like, six feet. I actually just sent you a picture of it. And uh-huh. then they were, like, all wiped down. Uh, you were only allowed one person per cart. So, I mean, the weirdest thing for me is not being able to, like, hug my dad or high-five him after we did something cool, you know? Right. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's the best way to get your mind off it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't, the, the way I see this going is I don't see any way they're going to be able to keep them open much longer. Cause I think yeah, it's going to get, I think it. the numbers are going to get pretty daunting. I just don't see it now. I mean, I, I haven't played golf in St. Louis since early October. So it's not like it's a big part of my life um at this moment but it is a way to get outside i love going out there with my son and just him screwing off but yeah i just anticipate it going away and um you know and then it is weird because and this is the thing that that can get people going on the topic um and i can't blame them for getting going on it when when if it if it if the if the edict specifically says it doesn't matter if it's public or private you have to shut down and then a lot of the people, especially at some of these clubs in Florida, which are, you know, you know, they're they're in another stratosphere as far as their level of membership uh, and income. It's not even really income. It's just wealth. Uh, and, th- and those people are not used to being told what they can and can't do. Right. And so what do they do? They just kept playing like, OK, fine shut down the public courses or then then the way around it was you can't have guests but the membership can play and then it got to a point where a sheriff showed up i think this was at a course in delray which is like a half hour 40 minutes south of 
Jupiter, and he said he just shut, he just kicked people off. <laughs> He's shutting it down. So they got that going on. I don't think you're going to have that at all. I mean, I mean, I don't say at all. You won't have that level in uh, in St. Louis, um, but I feel like it's inevitable. And in two weeks might be uh, two weeks might be very liberal as far as when it would uh, come and go. Hey, James Carlton is a wonderful sponsor of this podcast. Three one four. 961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent. I recommend him to our audience in a major way, uh, especially with everything that is going on right now. Uh, you want to know that you have somebody you can count on, and James Carlton, his staff, and Webster Groves absolutely fall into that category. The number, 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net dot net to see for yourself and go to google and uh and and see what's going on uh with the reviews and also with um with facebook and the reviews and people absolutely rave about james carlton three or 34 north gore avenue suite 104 in webster groves where you'll find him with a big staff to take care of you james carlton state farm insurance agent the carlton state farm insurance agency if your insurance costs a leg and arm call james carlton State Farm and Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Seth Goldcamp and his family taking care of people right now, especially right now when people are at home. They are an essential business, and they are going out of their way to help people purify the air in their home. And when they do, when they do, they take all the recommended precautions to eliminate physical contact. For more information on air purifiers, please visit designairservice.com. And for all your heating and air conditioning needs, Contact the official HVAC company, the Ryan Kelly Morning After and the Tim McKernan Show, Design Air, Heating and Cooling. All right, Gangster Pete, I'll do one or two more and see what we got. See what we got. Uh, right here. Um, Timmy Recaps, who always has these. This might be our last one uh, because it is in detail. What is it about religion right now that has everyone so pissed off? I fully understand people being against religion as a whole or hating on pastors and megachurches scamming people with coronavirus coronavirus healing seminars, but to motherfuck believers simply because they find some form of relief in Scripture and their faith is bizarre to me. Like the cat said last week, people are so full of bitterness right now they're viewing everything through a prism of hatred. This feels like a glaring example of that. People are looking for a reason to be irrationally pissed. I don't understand the people pissed about the Hobby Lobby letter. Nowhere did he say Jesus will keep his employees safe, and that's why he's keeping the doors open. I don't understand the people pissed at Mike Lindell, my pillow guy, who pledged to convert 75% of the production capacity to make and ship masks to the front line simply because he injected some lines of scripture into his speech. If things are truly as bad as our healthcare professionals and leaders are telling us, these feel like strange hills to die on. It feels like faux outrage to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. That comes from Timmy Recaps, who tends to ask the most poignant questions um, often in questions slash opinions slash stories from the audience. Gangster Pete, my initial reaction to the question is, I I don't I. It's not that I that I don't believe that it's going on because I don't know he wouldn't just make it up. It's just not something that I have personally seen. Um. Is it something you have personally seen? No, I mean the only thing I would have an issue of 
if someone was telling someone to come to work because God told them they'd be okay. Like that, now, would, that I, would that, that be the Hobby Lobby thing? Uh, it didn't seem like that's what it said. I don't know. I didn't look into it that much. Yeah, I, mean, I honestly, I know the Plowhawk was fired up about it, and that was kind of one of the things where he and Doug, I think, were going back and forth more than anybody. And since we have six people on the show, two are on a phone, one's on a Comrex, and then the remaining three are in two different studios, I'm trying to, uh, when I'm hosting the radio show, give <laughs> wide berths for pauses, and then if I sense the pause, then I jump in. Or if I have to get a spot and I just just speak loudly and just kind of like handle a White House press conference question and just keep going until everybody stops talking so I can get the spot in. That's the way I'm hosting the show. When Plowhawk gets in banty mode, I just let him go. When Plowhawk's in banty mode? Yeah, I just let him go. Yeah, he, and it came that, that the Hobby Lobby thing got him all worked up. I did, I don't, I did, I'm aware of it. I have not read the letter. Um, I believe he read the letter yesterday on the show and it was kind of his thing. And, uh, you know, as you might imagine, when hosting the show, especially remotely, um, it's not like I am 100% at all moments locked in. I am pulling up spots and so on and so forth, and I think that's what I was doing during that. Um, and then the My Pillow guy, I know he spoke yesterday at the White House press conference, um, but I haven't written or spoken his name. Um, so I don't, I, I, but that doesn't mean people aren't. Um, I, I mean, listen, I, I think that people certainly are. Um, otherwise, I don't think uh, Timmy Recaps would write this in. It's just not something that it's tough because I know it's a, it's a, I know it's a good question because it ties in a variety of things that that are, people are passionate about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to answer it even though I'm not familiar per se with seeing the dissenting opinions and or hatred. Um, so. It, the, I know that the Mike. I saw the My Pillow guy go up there and and speak. Um, he, you know, I, listen. The way that the press con- this this isn't the My Pillow thing. This is the press conferences in general. It's just not for my. It's. I think it's why Andrew Cuomo is experiencing this surge in popularity because that's what the majority of Americans want from their president be it democrat or republican at a time like this they don't like i mean as much of a fan of barack obama's as i was if he would be handling the press conferences like this now of course i I think we would all agree even if people don't like barack obama that they know he wouldn't handle the press conferences like this I'd be like, what in the world is this where you're bringing up, like, business people and, like, you know, and then the business people, like, do endorsements for Brock? I'd be like, God, this is just gross. So it's, it's you know, whereas Cuomo and Fauci um, are, you know, are fact-driven. They're not attacking the questioner. You know, it's just, it's it's what people want. You know, they're accepting, you know, and telling people what's going on and, and not, blowing smoke but also attempting to lead at a time where they know it is dark that's that's what people are not only accustomed to but i think they're accustomed to because that's what great leaders historically have done so my you know so when i saw the my pillow thing yesterday i didn't get on twitter or facebook and and write some prose about it i'm just like oh god here we go again but I would have done that, you know, if it weren't the my pillow guy, because other people have been popping up there over the last few weeks, and you just go. And when he was yelling at Peter Alexander of NBC, I'm just like, this is just, you know, he's doing more disservice to himself than he is helping, and it's just like, ugh, 
but it's just like, I don't, you know, if he would turn into Andrew Cuomo or Barack Obama, I'd go, what the hell happened? Was it, has this been like some kind of theater for the last few? What do you, I mean, this is, this is what it is. So I don't know. So that, that, that to me, I'm not addressing Hobby Lobby or my pillow guy. I'm just saying in general, it's not the time for it. I would say, you know, you can look here in the front row today is Mike Lindell of MyPillow. And to his credit, I've known Mike for a while. To his credit, uh, he is going to now produce, you know, XYZ product, uh, even at his own expense. And that speaks great. And it speaks to what so many Americans are doing right now, sacrificing for the greater good. And that's an illustration of the spirit of this country that I believe is going to lead us through this tremendously trying time. It's just kind of an ABC thing, not come up. And it has nothing to do with the scripture, but sit there and talk about how great the economy was. And it's just like, you know, you just but but you're just used to it now. Now, five years ago or 15 years ago or 25 years ago or 35 years ago, you would have gone, what in the world is this? But now it's just it's normal. But from my standpoint, it's got nothing to do with Mike Lindell and reading scripture or the Hobby Lobby guy. That's where I am. Now, that's where I am. That doesn't mean that that's not what's going on out there. So this this are tough things. I know that the question is rooted in seeing some things or hearing some things, but and I'm talking about negativity toward that. Um, if I'm trying to dig into it as to the why, even though it's not where I am, um, my my theory on the why would be um, frustration with people seeing religious leaders but certainly not all religious leaders but religious leaders guide their congregations in the in a non-scientific way that are exposing them not only their congregations but then by proxy the people themselves uh and i'm talking about the people who are not members of the congregation who are gathering or who are told this is not a big deal, and believing because oh, these are their these are their priests, their ministers, whomever the, the, that it is, uh, and that it's like okay, fine, believe what you want to believe. It doesn't that which would be where I would fall in, by the way, as far as how I view these things. Believe what you want to believe. It doesn't really impact me, you know. I mean, it's 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 they're, they're, and, and listen, I, and I realize you can certainly draw it out and go, well, it does impact you because they're voting this way. And then by voting this way, then it does this. And yes, I, there's no question. The reason why we can't pay, play on Poker Stars out right now is because Bill Frist in 2006 was thinking he was going to run for president. And he was trying to appeal in 2008 and trying to appeal to social conservatives. And so he got the UIGEA passed, the Unlawful Internet Gaming Enforcement Act, tacked it onto a port security bill. And that's how online poker, five years later, went away in the United States, for the most part. Obviously, you can still play on some of the sites we talked about earlier when talking about poker. And that, of course, is indirectly or directly, depending on your point of view, tied to religion. But what is, what is our real—it's like when the Plowhawk today, and I'm not by any means chastising the Plowhawk, talking about you just got to shut it down. It's like, okay— that's fine. Let's have the conversation about just shutting it down. How do we do it? Because that's that's sometimes what I find when I'm talking about like when things with regard to the radio show or take your pick of whatever with involving the show or something along those lines. And Pete, you've been in the trenches now with that for the last 18 months. 
And there are things, and people get fired up, and they get frustrated, whether it be audience members or whomever. And it's like, okay, this sounds good. If you post this, you will get a lot of likes, and that's great. But if we actually enacted it, let's play out how this would actually go down. And so that's what I'm talking about. So, if it's, so what is our solution? You can't get rid of religion, and you can't make this a theocracy. So we try to do the best that we can with, with living together, even though there are differing views. And usually, I think we're able to do that. In this case, I suppose, again, because I'm not feeling the Hobby Lobby thing or the my pillow thing, so I'm trying to answer the question because I think it's a good question, as to why there may be anger about it. Uh, if it if it if the anger is directed toward religion and not just a press conference regarding a, an American crisis, a global crisis, and you have a guy who makes pillows coming up and essentially doing an endorsement speech about the president, that to me would be the thing that I would say. Well, that's irritating, but it's also par for the course. You know, I mean, that, that, so that's where I am. So the religion element of it is a different conversation. And the only thing I can guess, if there is a spike in criticism of the religious portion of America right now, my theory would be that there is frustration from a portion of the population that another portion of the population has either been saying this is not a big deal or it's the flu and or they're being told this by people that they view uh, as people who are telling them the truth, when in reality these people either knowingly weren't telling them the truth or they weren't informed, and then they put people beyond themselves at risk. Gangster Pete, I've gone off yet again on a tangent. <laughs> Do you follow what I'm saying? And if so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't hate on anybody's religion. As long as you're not a creep or a charlatan, do you? I think, I think that your actions should transcend other people's personal beliefs. So, I mean, if this guy's throwing out a bunch of masks to people that need them, I think that's what is important, not the religious aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's kind of the bottom line. Like, he's doing a good thing. So, so he's, a, he's evangelical? I don't know. Big fan of Donald Trump's? Okay. Great. What? I mean, so he read scripture? I don't know what to say. I mean, what's our, what's our, What's, you know, I was, driving, I was driving back on Saturday. I noticed, and I don't know if this is across the board or if it's like one of those special license plates you can get, but Georgia's plates now, and maybe Missouri's too, I don't know, saying God we trust. I know what that's about. Don't you know what that's When you see that, do you know what that's about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know what it's about. You know what it's about. And you kind of go, well, I know what that's about, but whatever. I mean, it just doesn't, it just, it's just like, it doesn't affect me now. As some would point out, and I know there's a little phrase about it, you know, um, you know, these things don't happen overnight. You know, with each action, it's building up toward a change that you wouldn't recognize. But I just don't go, well, now that there is in God we trust on license plates, which I know was not a coincidence. and I know it was done to try to excite a certain voting segment. I don't think that that means we're on the verge of becoming a theocracy. I just don't see it that way. And so I guess I'm kind of in the I pick my battles thing. And so, yes, I don't think it's a coincidence that the in God we trust thing is on the Georgia plates now. And I think I saw some in Florida, too, but I think they have a variety of Missouri surprisingly does not have it. on. Missouri the doesn't. I, yeah, but I know I saw it in, in uh, as I was driving back and I think it's all on. I, it, I don't know. Either way, I know I saw it on a Georgia plate and I'm just like, all right whatever know what the, know what's going on here and it's just okay. okay whatever 
It just, it, I don't know. I just don't. And, and I think maybe a decade ago, I might have been a different place. Maybe more than a decade ago, I might have been in a different place and ranting and raving about it. But and I think I think it's just one of those things. And God, anytime I say this, it makes it, you know, I mean, it's just when you're on, when you've been on the other side of the desk, you understand that it, 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 things don't work in absolutes. They just don't. You can talk in absolutes. But when you put absolutes into practice, they don't work that way. It's just not the way things work. And so Timmy Recaps talks about dying on a hill. So if somebody were to die on the hill, I'm sure we could look it up right now, Pete, and find all kinds of news whenever the Georgia license plate switched to In God We Trust and how there were people passionately against it, people passionately for it, all while knowing what the whole thing was about in the first place and just being a game but in the whole scheme of things, like, how does it really impact people? Now, I'm sure there are people listening to this going, well, here's how it impacts people. And I wouldn't disagree, but in the same, but in the same capacity, I view it as indirect. Um, well, like I said, with Bill Frist and the UIGA and his goal to run for president in 2008, I don't even think he wound up running for president in 2008, and if he did, he didn't stick around very long. Um, and then what happened with that? And that's the reason why people go, well, how come you can't play online poker in the United States? Great question. Here it is. Here's the backstory. And it wasn't like it was a bill that was put on Congress's desks. It was tacked on to a bill about port security that was still in the aftermath of 9-11, five years removed. And who was going to be voting against safe ports at that moment? So that's how, and that's not the first time that stuff's happened. I mean, people talk about the stimulus bill and the things that were tacked onto that. That, unfortunately, is the way this stuff goes down, whether we like it or not. And I've never passed legislation, so I don't know how batshit it is. On uh, Looking on the outside and in, I go, what in the hell is this about? But, I mean, it goes on and has gone on for decades, so it must be standard operating procedure for whatever reason. And I'm sure somebody who's served could explain why it's standard operating procedure and how it's probably not as bad as the public thinks it is, but whatever. So with regard to religion and being a backlash against religion, my honest, my honest answer is I, I haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean that it does not exist. But operating off of trying to theorize why it would be going on right now, uh, my answer would be um, what I said with regard to people being frustrated with with feeling like their leaders, probably more governmental than religious, but giving them information that they don't necessarily think is true and having their own interests for why they are giving that information. I think that's what it is about. I think that's what it's about. I could be wrong. I mean, the my pillow guy, I was <laughs> off the my pillow guy the first time I saw his commercial and he had his cross hanging out, not because I'm like, "Oh my god." Why would you do that? I'm like, I know what you're doing, and I think it's gross. And by that I mean, listen, you might be the most wonderful man in the world and a great Christian, but I know what you're doing is you're using it to get people to buy your product. And I don't personally, I find I don't, I'm not on board with that. I wouldn't want people to go, oh, I'm going to advertise on Tim's podcast because he's agnostic. I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't want it. So that's that's where I'm coming from on it, and I just I, I, that's that to me is not where I am with religion, but I recognize that I'm in the minority on it. So like two years ago, I see him like doing an infomercial, and he's laying down in a bed and has got this big cross hanging out of his shirt. I was like, oh, I know what he's doing, you know. And I, I talked about this back in the day. There were advertisers in St. Louis 
who would make a big deal out of being closed on Sunday. And I thought, ah, it's kind of it's kind of modern day Philistine stuff. You know, you're using your religion to market. And I, and, and maybe I'm off the mark on this. And I know anytime you bring up this place it get people line up on their sides. But I just feel like Chick fil A just is closed on Sunday. And they don't really make a big deal out of it. Now, it's a big deal for some people who want Chick-fil-A that they're closed on Sunday. But I just think they're just not open. I don't think they go, <laughs> Chick-fil-A, best chicken sandwiches, and we're closed on Sunday to honor the Lord. They just don't. They just close on Sunday. And my God, how much money are they costing themselves <laughs> by closing on Sunday? But if that's what they believe, then I support that. I support it. Even, and I know when you get in the Chick-fil-A thing, then you get into the gay discussion. And I'm as pro-gay as it can possibly be, especially from a straight guy. But, I'm, but I separate the two. But when it's being used to make money, I personally find it gross. But what, he, what the MyPillow guy was doing yesterday, you know, I didn't see it that way. And maybe, maybe that's naive. Maybe, that's, maybe, that, maybe people are like, no, he was marketing there. And that's why I have a problem with it. Maybe that's what it is. But that would be different than the religion discussion. And the question was rooted in religion. I mean, it's just like they're, they're friends, you know, which probably doesn't really surprise many people. And, and he's a huge fan of President Trump's, and President Trump loves when people proclaim their love of him publicly. And, and so he returns the favor, and, you know, and, and, and the byproduct is America now has more of the product that needs. And, and I, don't know, it's, I, mean, I don't know. Listen, it's not, it's not the way... I would handle it, but God, I know a lot of people wouldn't do most of the things that I would do. So it's not like, that. but that. So I don't know. I think the question's rooted in religion, and I don't. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I, and as far as private businesses doing what they want based on what are their own morals, that's part of the deal, man. That's one of the things that I think makes the United States a great place and actually unique for as commonplace as we take all of or as common as these things are to us. It's not common all over the world. And so I think it's a great thing, even if I don't share the views. I want the people to be able to express them. I just think it's kind of gross when it's used to try to make money. But I recognize it's also part of the deal. And how are we realistically going to legislate it? It's not realistic. Gangster Pete, any other thoughts? Or are you like, okay, that's enough. We've done an hour and a half. Uh, hour in, and interesting side note. I looked up the Georgia thing. It's actually a, a $1 sticker you can add the In God We Trust to your license plate. Oh, is that right? Right. So it's so it's not on across the board. Yep. And then Booches no, is closed on Sunday. We'll see you in church. Uh, what is uh, closed? Booches. So is many, that what they say? Yeah, well, on their door when you're leaving. It but says, you, but you think future. probably deep down it's facetious. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm just or thinking of all the times down. on Sunday morning I wanted a Booches and couldn't get one. Wow, I didn't realize they were closed on Sunday. I just When I think of Booches, I think Incredible Burgers, but no fries. I just think Incredible Burgers. I don't let that fries thing get to me. It does, but I can't help it. It, it does bother me a little bit. Um, all right, there it is. Questions slash opinions slash stories from the audience. Uh, send yours in anytime. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Um, and we will take them, and we will read them, and we will enjoy discussing them with you. Thank you to our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies at evergreenstl.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the West, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. 
online at lineoff.com. Chevy, find new roads for Gangster Pete. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. We conquer cancer. For the mom-to-be who is out of treatment options. For the doctor who has a brilliant idea but needs research funding. For the people who faced cancer head-on and climbed incredible heights while they were with us. For the children who celebrate the end of chemo. We conquer cancer for all who have been touched by it. Conquer Cancer accelerates breakthroughs in research and care for every cancer, every patient, everywhere. Join us at conquer.org. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.